0: you are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. We're advancing this deposit with the mindset of a major mining company or a large strategic counterparty that would ultimately have interest to buy nickel from a robust project or a robust operation. Um, and and that, that approach was really kind of borne out, like I say, by that positive feedback. We truly are developing this project in a way that meets the standards of multiple, very large, sophisticated counterparties. So the asset quality is there and the more important, I think, or just as important is this is sort of the the, the technical capabilities that we bring to bear on it uh, are also kind of meeting that uh, meeting that very stringent test under due diligence.
1: Welcome back to Money Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers, touching base with Martin Turan, President, CEO, and Director of FPX Nickel, one of our sponsors. Martin, welcome back onto the show, and congratulations. You're bringing another $12 million into the treasury via a strategic investor for 9.95% of your company, which you're giving in exchange for that $12 million. Uh, Break down what this means for FPX, please.
0: Thanks, Bill. Yeah, it's a big milestone for us, for sure, a big day. You know, this, this really allows us to be fully funded now through 2023 and 2024 to deliver a preliminary feasibility study on our flagship uh, Baptiste Nickel Deposit and continue all of our environmental baseline studies to ultimately getting to the point of, of getting in the permitting process here in years to come. Um, it comes as a result, really, of a, of a fairly fulsome process of uh, discussion with several different counterparties, um, they're a bit of a competitive process where we were, you know, discussing commercial terms with a variety of groups for this type of investment. It's a very plain vanilla investment. It's simply an equity investment, does not give the investor any rights at the project level. Um, and, you know, at 9.9%, they're, they're basically a shareholder like any other shareholder. Um, but in, in, in my view, it's particularly gratifying having come as a result of, of a robust due diligence, uh, process that has, you know, included many different groups and, you know, the, the conclusions of those processes from all those counterparties was uniformly very positive. And so we're, 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 we we're see this as all as a tremendous validation of, of our project, of our approach to developing it. And like I say, it allows us to really avoid the equity capital markets. Um, it's at a significant premium, about a 27% premium to our uh, last closed uh, uh, share price. And so the huge validation and really allows us to focus on getting work done and, and like I say, sort of avoiding these capital markets that have obviously been quite challenging.
1: And you did it at what percent um, increase to your share price or premium to your share price?
0: About a 20, 27% premium to our last close share price. So very significant, you know, so at 50 cents Canadian, you know, uh, and even post announcement, we're still trading well below that. Um, so an opportunity here for people to look at the stock at a level significantly lower than what this uh, large strategic investor has uh, chosen to invest in.
1: Martin, so when I call CEOs for a potential investment, one of the things I've been asking more the last couple of years is what third parties have looked at what you have and what is their opinion? And so what you're saying here with this vetting process is that someone more technical than any retail investor that's listening to us chat here looked at your project and they liked what they saw.
0: Yeah. And in not just one group, multiple groups, which is important, right? So you've got fairly consistent outcomes from those uh, due diligence processes, which, um, you know, lends, I think, a lot of credibility and credence to the work that we've done. We always say, we've always said that in our in, in how we operate the project, how we advance it, uh, in terms of the te- our technical approach and mindset, we're advancing this deposit with the mindset of a major mining company or a large strategic counterparty that would ultimately have interest to buy nickel from a robust project or a robust operation. Um, and and that, that approach was really kind of borne out, like I say, by that positive feedback. We truly are developing this project in a way that meets the standards of multiple very large sophisticated counterparties So the asset quality is there and the more important, I think, or just as important is this is sort of the, the the technical capabilities that we bring to bear on it uh, are also kind of meeting that uh, meeting that very stringent test under due diligence.
1: So I could ask you, questions about this, the profile of the strategic investor, but I'm assuming you can't tell me. So if I would say, does he own a large social media company? You couldn't give me an answer to that. Or is it a battery maker? Is it a diversified miner? Is it an EV producer? The answer would be, Bill, I can't tell you right now.
0: That, that is the answer. Yeah, certainly under our confidentiality provisions in our agreement with this investor. Um, you know, we're, we're in an interesting time in the mining industry. Um, uh, where you know, you think about it, there are, in the whole transition to electrification and, and particularly to electric vehicles, there are four industrial players in that, broadly speaking. There are mining companies, there are chemical companies, there are battery companies, and there are car companies. And each of those are sort of distinct industrial groups with many players, obviously. Now, each of those four groups are going to be very involved in delivering Uh, nickel and other raw materials into that supply chain. And there's a real sort of uh, scramble underway around assets and how players within each of those industrial categories are going to position into this. So, you know, we've been talking a lot with major mining companies, but we've also been talking with a variety of downstream players. And, you know, we certainly see a world in which, you know, going forward, assets like FPXs will likely be developed as a collaboration between multiple parties within that supply chain.
1: This investor are they going to be advising you at all? You mentioned they're just a common shareholder, but uh, is there a relationship there to where they might advise you as you advance into the pre-feasibility stage? Yeah,
0: you know, there there's are certain areas, let's say of of technical experience and expertise um where we can we will have a, an open dialogue and a good relationship. Uh that we think would benefit both parties to make sure this project is, is advanced and is, you know, um, designed in such a way, and it's producing the appropriate products that would, that would uh, feed into that supply chain.
1: Okay. So your treasury, where are we at now with the treasury and how far will that take you?
0: Yeah. So current treasury is around 18, 18 and a half million Canadian. Um, so, that takes us through the completion of a preliminary feasibility study and all the work that goes into that: metallurgical work, the engineering work, uh, uh, additional field investigations, etc. So that PFS would be planned to be uh, completed in the market by uh, the latter part of the third quarter of next year. So think kind of September type frame, and uh, it would it would then fund us uh, as we begin uh, on the initial steps towards a feasibility study uh, in the months thereafter. So you know, we we're we're fully funded well into 2024 on the back of this. And again, in these market conditions, that's a great place to be.
1: Martin, when we when we chatted a couple of months ago, you mentioned how the Inflation Reduction Act was a positive thing uh, for, for your company that can supply the much needed nickel into the markets here in the States. And now since we talked, we heard about the Department of Defense in the United States possibly helping out Canadian miners. Uh, does this impact you?
0: Yeah, it, it well could. So there's something called the Defense Production Act, uh, which is basically a sleeve of funding that is managed by the U.S. Department of Defense uh, around you know, defense-related issues. And, and you know, what's interesting is that you know, the critical minerals, uh, critical materials supply chain for electrification is now being couched uh, in the context of an energy security issue. And thus the, thus the involvement, I think, of the Department of Defense in this conversation. So they've got this $750 million um, sleeve of of, of funding, and they are looking to co-fund feasibility studies with project operators um, who have critical minerals projects that are located in the United States, but also for projects that are located in Canada and Australia, both of whom are free trade allies of the states. And so from from a U.S. defense standpoint, Canada and Australian projects are now being viewed as domestic, and um, you know, there's a couple uh, different requirements beyond the jurisdictional requirements. This, this is funding that's for feasibility studies, so it's not something for PEAs or PFSs. So that's something uh, we will be able to sort of tick that box in 2023 on completion of the PFS as we move into the feasibility study. There's also requirements on, on ensuring that the, the, the material that you would supply from these critical minerals projects serve to, to benefit and to be used in the US EV battery industry. And that's something that's another box that we can clearly tick as well. So, hard to be definitive as to whether we'll be able to access that funding or not. But, you know, in our understanding, it's a large pool of, of money, it's non dilutive grants. So, it would be an ideal sort of way to, for us to think about the funding of that feasibility study going forward. You know, we've had initial discussions with the, with the DOD on this, and we'll continue to have discussions. Um, in in the months to come, and and you know, hopefully that comes to a productive outcome. But it's been a great process so far.
1: So, am I correct in saying that this creates another buyer and potentially more demand for when you do want to sell the Baptiste project?
0: What it does is it is it a couple of things. First of all, you know, because the way the funding is going to work, it's non dilutive, so it's a very cheap. Cost ca- it's a zero cost of capital, right? So it, it serves to reduce and lower our gen- generally our cost of capital to advance the project. That's going to minimize solution. That should be very supportive of the share price. You know, free money is is good money for sure. Um, and, and it also highlights the strategic importance of having a critical minerals project in Canada or the States or in Australia. And that's something that I don't think the market is is really well attuned to, how fundamentally critical that is to downstream off takers and users of these metal products, that it has it, going forward, in order to be eligible for the uh, EV subsidies, these materials are going to have to come from friendly countries. You know, having a low carbon profile, being from quote unquote domestic sources, these are significant strategic strategic differentiators for projects like FPXs. And I, I don't think that the the true value. Of that is yet reflected in our valuation, or frankly, the valuation of other companies developing projects in in uh, these friendly jurisdictions. And um, you know, the, the puck is heading in that direction. I, I think the the investment thesis on this for to, to favor Canadian and Australian companies and projects is obvious. The opportunity for investors, I think, now is to look at that very seriously and sort of move to where that puck is going uh, ahead of the ahead of the crowd, so to speak.
1: On the valuation of your company, a little over four years ago, you and I sat face to face for the first time in Toronto at Mines and Money. Your market cap then was nine million dollars. You told me you were undervalued. Now your market cap is ninety million dollars. And uh, how do you see that valuation?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, without without wanting to 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 be disingenuous because it because it isn't. I, I in a lot of ways, I think we're cheaper now than we were then on a relative to our fundamental value. Um, you know, since that time you've had the nickel price has sort of tripled, right? And so usually you would see that that would have even a, a more leveraged impact on the share price of any company in that particular commodity. Uh, that just tends to be how the leverage works with with these types of companies where we're basically in, in some way all call options on the underlying commodity. Uh, but more important than that has been the sort of the de-risking that we've done of the project, the advancement of the project. When you and I first met, you know, we had a public study out in the market that that suggested we needed a nickel price of ten to twelve dollars a pound for the project to be robust and economic. And the, the study that we did in twenty twenty, which re, which was a result of many years of of improving the project through drilling and metallurgical test work, shows this project is very robust and had a has excuse me a high return profile at a nickel price of seven to eight dollars a pound. So we've we've significantly de-risked, advanced, and improved the economics of the project. So that, combined with the nickel price move, and you know, to say nothing of the sort of the strategic importance of, of sort of being low carbon in a friendly jurisdiction, these things are all going to matter more and more in years to come. Um, you know, yes, we trade at a higher market cap than we did several years ago, but we still trade at a at a at a fraction of our project value. Our our, our are are multiple on a on a nav basis we traded about a 0.05. and typically you would expect projects like this when they are taken out to trade at least at, at a 10 times multiple on a nav value basis from where we stand today
1: you mentioned uh the carbon uh, movement you're you have a subsidiary company co2 lock uh, what advancements have you made with that company since we last spoke
0: Yeah, so FPX uh, founded a subsidiary. We control about 80% of that subsidiary called CO2 Lock earlier this year. That company's focused on opportunities for a large scale, low cost uh, carbon sequestration in in favorable geological settings. So, as an alternative to planting a bunch of trees to sequester CO2, you can react CO2 with favorable host rocks. And we think this is going to be a transformational way for for the planet to reduce its carbon emissions going forward and that's what co2 lock is focused on we've recently hired a, a cto who has long experience in carbon sequestration in, in in geological settings we also have um the the company has uh, acquired its own mineral tenure at projects in bc and uh, based on first pass exploration earlier this year some very promising results for uh, hosting a high grade of the the rock type and of the mineral uh, brew site specifically, that is the key mineral that sequesters CO2. So we're, we're advancing on the technology aspect and the engineering uh, opportunities to, to maximize the rate of sequestration uh, or the reaction between CO2 and these rocks. And we're complementing that with actually securing mineral title to those rocks, both in BC and and abroad going forward. So yeah, a lot going on there, very positive discussions with large uh, carbon emitters who are looking to solve their carbon you know, um, emission issues as well as various levels of government, um, all of which could could lend uh, significant financial support to that company.
1: What about the VAN target? We did some drilling there this year. Um, when to expect those results?
0: Yeah. So VAN was a new discovery, major new nickel discovery we made in 2021, which is located just a few miles away from our main flagship Baptiste deposit. Um, we did step-out drilling there this past summer of 2022. We're awaiting those first results uh, uh, imminently here, probably within the next week or two, we'll have the first batch of results there on, on the basis of a fairly aggressive step-out program. You know, The hypothesis there is that that could ultimately be a, a larger and or higher-grade deposit than Baptiste, and we're excited to be able to share those first results to the market uh, very soon.
1: And last year, I considered that one of the discoveries that got no love from the market, too. So when people look at FPX, there's a a discovery there that's not seeing much value, in my opinion. But finally, to your flagship project, the Baptiste project, since we last spoke, you updated your mineral resource estimate. Uh, What did we accomplish here?
0: Yeah, a couple things. One, we saw a significant increase in the, in the in the in the in the what we call the Davis tube recoverable or DTR nickel grade. That's the that's the fraction of nickel that can be recovered using magnetic separation. A very simple process of separation. So head grade increase of six to seven percent via vis-a-vis what was in the previous uh, uh, resource estimate. So that's very significant for a big bulk tonnage project like this, adding even a percent. Of additional grade is, is great but 67 percent higher is very very meaningful and, and should translate to to very positive economics um, we've also reported the byproduct credit grades for things like cobalt and iron these are byproduct credits uh, byproduct streams that we think we can potentially crystallize in the pre-feasibility study those were not byproducts that were included in the previous study and so that's upside, potential upside on the economics of the project, uh, which we would hope to incorporate within that PFS uh, next year.
1: Okay. And so catalyst coming forward, then the next one would be the van drilling results. Is that the next catalyst investor should look for?
0: Yeah, van r- drilling results here in the next couple of weeks. And then as we get into the early part of 2023, the thing I'm most excited ab- about is the results of the pilot plant that we're running. So this is, you know, pilot scale demonstration of the flow sheet to recover nickel into a very, very high grade concentrate. Um, this, in some ways, is going to be the important, the most important news release from a technical standpoint in the company's history to really conclusively demonstrate that we can recover this nickel high recoveries simple process into a very high value product, and that our nickel deposit has huge sort of metallurgical advantages over more traditional sulfide and, and laterite deposits.
1: All right, to learn more about the company, go to fpxnickel.com. You can also reach out to Martin. He's very straightforward and responsive. As he told me, although he's a sponsor, Bill, ask me whatever you want because there's not a question I won't answer you straightforwardly. So uh, Martin, will will get back to you, reach out to him. If you want to find uh, the stock chart, it's FPX on the Venture Exchange in uh, Toronto and F-P-O-C-F in the States. Martin, thank you for this update.
0: Thanks, Bill.